Great big good morning, folks. It's wonderful to have you. It's wonderful to have you here. Whether you're joining us in our studio audience or joining us from across the country, it's just terrific to have you here today as we keep going on with Christmas. And today we're looking at, at, at the second week of Advent. And, and I want to sort of set this up. And, and it's this idea. Last week, what we looked at was the idea of this, of this stubborn hope. That that's, that's the first candle, this hope. And it's, it's not just sort of normal hope, it's stubborn hope. It's hope that, is, that is, is something that we can actually organize our lives around. I love that idea, and it, you know, every year, you know, the, 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 one of the secrets of being a pastor is you start to make notes for next Christmas, any time you're going through Christmas, and one of the ones I heard someone say, and I thought, yeah, this is going to be a whole sermon next year with hope, is, is this person was, this pastor was saying, but well, why is the hope candle first? And listen to this idea. Again, this will become a whole sermon a year from now. It's the idea that hope is what actually lights all the candles. Think about that. That's really good theology. You know, Advent, for those of you who aren't aware, you know, Advent is made up of four Sundays. Hope, week number one. Peace, week number two. Joy, week number three. And it all culminates with love. And the idea that hope lights all of those things is beautiful. And so we start with hope. And today we're looking at peace. Today we're looking at peace. Now it's important, again, that we, we don't sort of lose track of this, this idea of this beautiful concept of hope and, and how hope can anchor our lives. I think that's really important. And, and just again, this was, this was last week's sermon in about 30 seconds. What's your anchor point of hope? Where do you hold hope up here and where do you automatically go to hopelessness? And there's probably different areas in your life. You may, in this particular area, with this particular relationship, instantly go into hopelessness. It'll never change. This is always bad. And then you may shift over into this other relationship where it's always, always, always filled with hope. And I think what we're called to do is we're called to to make sure we get the reset in all areas of our lives where the default is hope. Now, it's, it's not, again, it's not a hope that this occurs. It's a hope in it's a hope in love. It's a hope, hope in forgiveness. It's a hope in God. And, and that kind of hope doesn't depend on circumstances. It's not a hope that's out there. Life doesn't turn the way we want. We instantly go to hopelessness. It's just hope that becomes like this base rhythm of our lives. Where we literally can learn to be hopeful. That's a real spiritual chore. A real spiritual task, and I don't find it easy, easy to do that at all. And what I know of people who, who, and I imagine we all do, people we have witnessed who really have this wonderful sense, is, is this equation comes very true. This equation that hope plus trust equals peace. Hope plus trust equals peace. And I realize that, that you know, any time we speak, right, and any time we share as a church, that there are people who hear that and they're thinking, I have no hope and I have no trust and therefore I have no peace. And that makes sense. I get it. And it's, it's kind of a silly acronym, but it's, but it's accurate. It's silly but accurate. You know, gift of despair, G-O-D. And that, 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 that despair that can happen, right, and, and don't, think of, don't think of hope, folks. I mean, I was trying to think, how, how might we be able to recapture this? Don't think of, like, hope getting smaller and trust getting smaller. Think of hope getting more concentrated in just a few things. 
the second one there. The idea as well that hope gets concentrated and trust gets really concentrated. And that leads to a certain peace. And that's, that's again, even that is kind of a rugged, a rugged bet. Because it's, it's sort of hope and trust distilled to this, to this little core that's just so incredibly powerful. So incredibly powerful. So we have to, as well, folks, look at, at this idea, again, that, that there are times in life where we will just inevitably struggle. Like, there are times where this equation just, just fails us. You know, we, we're having a hard time with hope. We're having a hard time with trust. And, and I think you folks can agree, right? If you really have very little hope in your life, you really have very little trust, it's hard to feel at peace. Very hard to feel at peace. And yet, we do know stuff about this. And that's what we're going to be looking at today because we're going to be looking at the story of Joseph, a person who had every reason. Joseph, uh, you know, spouse to be married, to be married to Mary. And, and it's a big part of the Christmas story. You know, he had every reason to just despair and give up. But he didn't. And he sort of found a hope and a trust that led to a certain peace that we see throughout his, his role in the New Testament, throughout his role in Jesus' life. Now, for those of you who are joining us for the first time, we have we have online audience that's literally all over the country. I already heard from, from Carl out in California. And so what we would love to do is to, is to give you folks a chance so we can all participate together. And that's to take a look at this question. It's a wonderful question. Again, I look at these questions and I get them from other people, but it was, it was so good. And the question is this, folks. What did you believe was the end of the world that was not? What did you believe was the end of the world and was not? And what you can do is you can text that answer into me at 215-740-3662. That's 215-740-3662. And don't worry, I will share these anonymously. You know, if you write me something in, I won't say your name. But you, you, can, you can write it in, and then we're actually going to use those as part of the service. So the question again is, what did you believe was the end of the world that wasn't? And you can text me, 215-740-3662, or you can put it in the chat as well. And folks, welcome. Welcome to New Church Live. Good morning.
way fun, way fun. I have to share a funny thing about, about Emily. So this morning there were some people coming to church and you know, we're just kibitzing outside there out front and I did not get asked, Chuck, what are you preaching on? I got asked, oh, is Emily singing today? So, so there you go. So I am Emily's warm-up act today. Uh, you know, folks, it's great responses out there. And, and, and it's, it's significant, I think, to really think through how this, how this works and, and, and this idea of that, you know, one of the joys, one of the true joys is, I think, when we realize that you are all experts in your spiritual life. I mean, you really are. It's beautiful to just get a chance to witness to it. I mean, I think that's what churches really do. Say it all the time, you know, a, a church may tell you what you heard for the first time, but it's always something you already know, it's just why it resonates. That's a miracle to me. And, and just reading through these beautiful responses, there's, there's just beautiful, beautiful lines in here. I'm just going to ask you folks just to listen to them, because this is kind of building what we're, what we're talking about today, what we're talking about in terms of when despair really sets in, we're having a hard time with that hope and that trust that leads to peace. It means peace gets degraded. Let's take a look at what some of these said. Somebody just said, uh, you know, uh, public speaking was one. My state of mind prior to recovery. My child being diagnosed with a chronic disabling condition. The death of my child. My middle child had a mental illness that they were refusing treatment for and had to allow them to be homeless in order to care for my other children, even though I knew they could not care for themselves. It felt desperate the whole year. Now they are thriving, and I have a good relationship with them. Boy, I've never had seen the way God would use all of that for us. Big line there. Notice the word for. God for us. When our son's divorce was happening, my distant past. This one brought a big smile because I so, I so get this. Somebody wrote, failing Spanish class in junior year of high school and I ran away from home. I was, I was thinking, you know, how many of us failed our driver's test the first time? And we're just sure that was, that was the end of life as we knew it. Oh, this is, this is a good one too. Y2K, all the prep done for everything crashing and burning then the, when the clock struck midnight on January 1st, 2000 and it never materialized. I think many of us can remember that. Uh, end of the world, but was not. Bad job performance review. The end, of, uh, the end of my marriage, moving out of our dream home. It was all in education and love. I got to learn how the titles and stuff do not matter. It's my connections with others. My first heartbreak, oh, beautiful. My brother's cancer diagnosis. We got a bunch more here. I'll just give you one more, though. When my sister died suddenly 25 years ago tomorrow. Folks, those are, those are profound. And, and, and notice, notice what you know out of that. And, and that's, again, where, where the Bible can give us these stories. It can give us kind of these different perspectives. And, and again, understanding despair. Now, I want to sort of set this up so we can, we can just be in that place of what real despair looks like and how real despair literally and figuratively can bring us to our knees. And that's not always bad. I am an immense fan of the movie It's a Wonderful Life. If you've never seen the movie, please go see it immediately and then go to Broadway and see Les Mis and you'll get it. You know, I feel like those two things, if you get those two things, that's what Christianity is actually all about, those two movies. And... Uh, this, is a, this is a powerful line, a, a powerful little scene from, from, from the movie. 
uh, It's a Wonderful Life, and this is Jimmy Stewart from Indiana, Pennsylvania, just so you know. And, and this is Jimmy Stewart, and, and, and he, he is just, he's just wrestling with this despair. He's gotten into all this legal trouble. He thinks he's going to end up going to jail. He thinks his family's going to be impoverished. He's, he thinks he might as well just end it. So you'll see him as part of this pull out a little billfold out of his, out of his jacket. That's his life insurance policy. Because somebody had said actually he's worth more dead than alive. And so this is his prayer. Now they did this in movie, in movie history. This is a famous one because he did it in one take. He just, he just did it. Because I think we all have that level of despair. And I want to sort of show this to you so that so you can just get a sense. Yeah, this is, this is what it feels like. We sort of are, are forced to go to our knees. So take a look at this little clip from It's a Wonderful Life. powerful scene. It's such a powerful scene of, of, of that level of despair that I think many of us have probably experienced where, where we're so desperate we just want to be shown the way. Like, God, just show me the way. Welcome to the story of Joseph. I think in this story, you know, as I read it to you here in a minute, it's, it's easy to look at this story and to just kind of gloss over it because most of the story, if, if you've been in Christian circles for any time, most of actually the Christmas stories, you could probably recite parts of it by heart. But, but this is about trying to, trying to really put ourselves in that place and understand that between the words, just, just think of the level that Joseph was at, something very similar to that. That real, real, real despair. And it gets, it gets a little lost in the language, but I'm sure that despair is there, and I think we're supposed to think about it. So this, was, this is the story we're looking at today. This is how the birth of Jesus Christ came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married. In other words, she was engaged to Joseph. But before they came together, she was found to be with child of the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was a righteous man and did not want to expose her to public disgrace. In other words, didn't want to embarrass her. He had a mind to divorce her quietly. In other words, just to, just to push her away. Now, now, the background of this, folks, as many of you know, is that the penalty for having a child out of wedlock was capital punishment at this time. So you can just see the righteousness that this man had. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid. Again, the do not be afraid. All the time in the Christmas story. First thing that's said many times. To take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save the people from their sins. All this took place 
to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will be with child and will give birth to a son and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. I love that line, like God, God with us. So we, we have to see it, folks. Again, we have to, we have to see this, this dream state, beautiful painting, this, this dream state that he was in. And, and, and again, to understand the despair of that. I mean, this was, this was like, this was a young man. He had all his future ahead of him. I mean, just that excitement over having found the one. And then you get this news that's, that's almost impossible to wrestle with or to, or to come to terms with or to grasp. I mean, I think it is impossible to grasp. And it's just this gentle bed of this angel going, look, don't be afraid. And it ends with God with us. That idea that God is here too in all of this. That God with us, the Emmanuel, God with us, that beautiful line, that's something I think we need to keep on coming back to again and again because it's, it's so easy to see God as outside of that. With Jimmy Stewart, it's so easy to see God as outside of the bar. Not God as inside of the bar, but God's everywhere. That, that, that incredibly powerful bit where we start to really understand that, that God is with us and he's in all places. And, and part of how we see that is this. Listen to this beautiful line, piece of... Christian New Church theology. The more we dedicate ourselves to goodness, the more we can see the truth. That's righteousness, right? It says, says Joseph was a righteous man. Well, a righteous man would have said, you messed up, this is the penalty, I looked it up, sorry. But he didn't. And I think he didn't, he didn't take that legalistic approach because he understood this. Folks, if you want to know what's true, look for what's good. I can't say that strongly enough. You want to know what's true, look for what's good. That's the best guide you can have. A little bit of a tangent. Just yesterday, it was wonderful to, to have a baptism. And because we have people who watch all over the place, I get to go all over the place and, and do baptisms. So I had this wonderful time going out to do a baptism out in Westchester, Pennsylvania. And way, like Westchester is huge. It was like way on the corner of Westchester. But it was this beautiful event. It's a family that, that has been part of some of the things we've done online for, for a long time. And, 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 you know, went there and they had this, this they wanted, they, the, the family, this was a baptism for Edgar the Sixth. And by the way, I've never actually baptized somebody with Sixth, who was the Sixth. And uh, that's, that's something different. And what the family did, like, look at this, folks. What they did is we all went outside and we got our hands painted, and then we all put our handprints on this. And that became the background. There's the baptismal bowl. That became the background. And I want you to think of a, of a, of a beautiful family living room just packed with people. So I'm taking this picture, and, and this, is, this is the line. Remember we belong to each other. Like, that's what this was all about, about this remember we belong to each other. And as we're sharing and celebrating the baptism of this, of this beautiful little boy, just watching how people really had this sense of this really deep, beautiful, beautiful sense of that they were, they were there out of the goodness, like literally in the goodness, out of the goodness, this complete goodness that was there. And boy, you could just see truth all over the place. Like here's this moment, and there's probably 35 or 40 people in this living room, 
And, and I'm looking, I'm thinking, this is what's true because this is what's good. We know that. I, I think that's the only way with people like Joseph or the Joseph states in our lives that we get through that is, is trying to come more and more to looking to what's good as best we can. I think as well, folks, there was part of him that, that just... You know, when we... See if this makes sense. I imagine when we together look to what's good, what happens is it resonates right back to the goodness in our heart. That idea of the original blessing, which we talked about a couple weeks ago, it comes right back to that. Like, it resonates because we can hear that particular tune. We understand it. And it is what will help us to just keep moving forward, to take the next right step. I think this, this hope and this trust, this line, and I, I don't know whether I really did the justice to it with the wording here, but this is an attempt. What happened with Joseph is he faced the end of the world and refused to yield. Trusting a dream, finding peace. Now, I, I want to dwell on this for a little bit. And this is where I felt like, you know, as I'm looking at it this morning, I think, ah, it's not quite the language I want, so my apologies for that. It's, it's so we, we face this stuff, right? We face the end of the world. And, and the refusal to yield, it's not, I, I don't want you to see, like, refused to yield, trusted a dream. And I don't want you to see that as, like, some big, gargantuan, you know, superhero garbage, Good luck trying that out. When you are in a moment of despair, superhero is not what you want to show up. You know what you want to have show up? Showing up. Showing up. Some days, that might just be the fact that you got out of bed. Some days, it might be that you just did one good thing for one person. Could be any number of things, but... But that's, I think, where that quote becomes so true, folks, is that, that that's actually where that, where, that, where that all comes from. Marcus, we have, yeah, thank you. Face the end of the world, refuse to yield, trusting a dream. Refusing to yield means I'm just going to keep going with my life as best I can, and it may be diminished, it may be contracted, it may be much smaller, I may be crawling through my day. But friends, you're doing it. I mean, that's what, that's what Joseph did. He just kept on that little incremental trust. He, I just imagine him like crawling through, his, crawling through his days. I mean, imagine him trying to explain this story to his parents. <laughs> I mean, that should make you smile. But he did, and he kept on doing the next right thing. Throughout the Bible, throughout the New Testament, he continues to do just the next right thing. And I think, folks, we start to understand this. Now, now, this line, this is Jesus' line much later on in this story, but I want you to hear this completely. Like, this, this line is well-known, and we blast through it at a million miles per hour way too often. And I feel like this is the kind of peace that, that those simple, small steps where we just keep on showing up, we, we don't yield, we, we just keep on show, showing up, and we we, we sort of live into the dream as best we can. I think we start to understand this. Listen to this line that Jesus said. 
Peace I leave with you. My peace. Think of that. This is God talking. My peace. My serenity. My shalom. I give to you. And now listen to this line, right? Here's, here's, here's Jesus saying, look, I, I'm giving you peace. And then he has this beautiful second part. He says, not as the world gives, give I unto you. So there's this, there's this peace that we believe the world will deliver this peace to us. And for you, it might be that, that I'll finally have that peace when I make X amount of money, or finally have that peace when I can retire, or finally have my peace when that obnoxious neighbor finally moves. I don't know. I hope no neighbors are listening. But that's what we can do. We can hold that, that out there. And here's God going like, no, it's, it's not, that's not the peace that I'm giving you. I'm giving you a very different kind of peace. You know what that is. I can't even put words to it. But you know what that is. It's that little part of you that's, that's buried way underneath all the anxieties, even all the joys of life. It's, 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 it's this part that just always is centered and knows and knows and knows it's okay. You're okay. You always were, and you always will be. Now, do we live there 24-7? Absolutely not. Like, life has this seasonal aspect to it. And a lot of that seasonal aspect means we spend a lot of time waiting, you know, waiting for the next thing because we have our dreams of the way life was supposed to look. That doesn't happen. So, so a lot of life, you know, newsflash, I think, to none of us, right? A lot of life is this waiting. And I want you to hear Reverend Samuel Wells, what he has to say about that. He has a beautiful phrase here, which I never heard before, the companionship among the community of the waiting. I love that line, like community of the waiting. That's a whole, like, series right there. Listen to this, friends. Samuel Wells. Trust finds companionship among the community of the waiting. Trust does not pretend that if you hold tight to the right things, and that's that righteousness thing, nothing will ever go wrong. It inhabits the exercises and patience required to rebuild after matters have been strained or broken. There's that simple showing up. It's not the, 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 the righteousness that was not the kind of righteousness Joseph had. We're talking about the righteousness, sort of this overwrought piety. That's not what it is. And it's, it's talking about like it's when we start to rebuild, just this gentle rebuilding of things. Trust doesn't use people as a means of getting things. That's big but places all its energies in making relationships that transform adverse and depleting circumstances. That's good. Trust rather than belief is the better part of faith, mirroring God's trust in us. And that's where we start to just simply that age-old thing, we start to trust the process. That community of the waiting, I think that community of the waiting know stuff. They know, they understand life in a unique way. They understand it's the law of the farm, not the law of the internet. Those are those people in your life, friends, and I certainly am blessed by a bunch of them. Those are those people in your life who are able to breathe. Let's all get a big breath here. And are able to speak to peace with these simple words. Again, it's all going to be okay. What does okay look like? We don't know. <laughs> but it's all going to be okay. 
I think from there, folks, it's, it's interesting that we start to understand two things. We start to understand the Mary message and the Joseph marriage. Mary, mother of Jesus. Joseph, the, the adopted father, so to speak, of Jesus. And Mary is promised that God with you. You know, God is with you, Mary. That idea of where we both understand that God is with you, he's with us individually at that level, but that this other part, God is with us. Samuel Wells bit, relationships that transcend adverse and depleting circumstances, that is the God is with us. So that will give us strength for the journey. And when we come back, I want to talk about like that strength for the journey and, and really kind of anchor us in a different kind of endpoint. Answering the question, where does this journey for Joseph and for us go?
Josh Steingart on the drums. Hey, New Church Live, it's Angela. I just want to invite you all to make a donation to New Church Live today. We have a very generous donor who's offering to match any donations up to $10,000 if they're made before the end of the calendar year. So if you're looking for an opportunity to increase your donation, this is a really amazing opportunity. If you want to make a donation, you can go to our website or you can text the word New Church Live, all one word, all lowercase to 77977. We hope you'll consider making a donation and we hope you'll take advantage of this really amazing opportunity. So thank you, everyone. Well, that was, what a great song. You know, that just, you know, that, I don't know. Like, right, like, I, I think you hear music like that and that's, and that's what, that's, that's how we're to live this. I, a quote I, I used a number of times over this weekend was Irenaeus's fa famous, famous quote. Many of us have heard it. Many of us have it memorized, which is, the glory of God is the person fully alive. And just think about that. And the word glory could also be translated celebration. So the celebration of God is the person fully alive. It takes work to get there. It takes hope and trust that gives rise to this peace that settles into our soul, creating this unanxious presence that moves out there into the world. But it moves out into the world with this with strength. I want to talk for a minute about like, okay, so we have this journey, right? And, and Joseph's on this journey. There's many parts of the journey you could talk about with Jesus' birth. I, I think it's just a reminder. I say it all the time, but it's so important. Everybody moves in this story. Everybody is on the move, except for Herod, the bad guy. Again, a sermon in itself. And they're on the move. Like this family's on the move a lot. This family's on the move. This little, little, beautiful, beautiful, precious family's on the move a lot. And what was the end of that journey? Well, I, I think we can, we can look at the idea of the apocalypse, like the apocalyptic vision. So, so apocalypse literally means unveiling or a revealing. It's where things get revealed. And, and a lot of the time in our Western culture, if we hear the word apocalyptic, we think end of the world. I know a few weeks ago, I was, I was uh, out and about and told somebody I was a pastor, and, and he, you know, he pulled me in close, and he's like, the end times are coming, I can feel it. Now, what he's meaning is he's saying the world is about to end and blow up. Now, how many of us have had that fleeting thought at least once? <laughs> you know, I'm sure, I'm sure we all have, right? End of the world, from the Spanish test on through, right? End of the world, the apocalyptic vision, and then we find out it's not. Yeah, the end of the world, the end of the world, end of the world. You can, you can cherry pick in the Bible and pick out parts that make it sound like that's how everything ends. You can do that. And it's, it's, the Bible's no different than our lives. Like I could cherry pick a bunch of stuff from your life to make you look a certain way for good or for ill. And it's the same with me. But maybe there's a different kind of apocalyptic vision that we need to talk about. So, complete biblical trivia. Anybody gets this right, you get free coffee right after church. The book Jesus most referenced, if anybody knows it, you can simply shout it out. I doubt any of you know this because it's real trivial pursuit. What is the book of the Bible Jesus most references in his life? Anybody know? All right. Uh, is not an answer. So uh, the, 
Isaiah. That's good. Free coffee for you. The book, the book is Isaiah. Isaiah is the most, is the most referenced book. And, and, and Isaiah is called the poet laureate of hope in the Bible. Again, Isaiah is written several thousand years before the birth of Jesus. So it's interesting, right? Jesus kind of keeps on tying back his message into Isaiah. Because Isaiah has, has just some amazing, amazing lines in it. You know, oftentimes, you know, we use quotes for it all the time in here because there's so much to it. And, and I want to share with you one of those quotes that's just beautiful. In the last days, in other words, folks, listen, as the world ends, and I think here we're talking about world in quotes, not the planet. We're talking about our worlds, our ego-driven worlds, our worlds of despair, our worlds that can't see trust, that can't understand hope, certainly can't experience uh, you know, trust in any way, shape, or form, peace in any way, shape, or form. I think that's what we're talking about here. In the last days, the mountains of the Lord's temple will be established as the highest of the mountains. It will be exalted above the hills, and all nations... All nations, all people will stream to it. Many people will come and say, come and let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the temple of the God of Jacob. He will teach us his ways so that we may walk in his paths. The law will go out from Zion, the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. He will judge between the nations, will settle disputes for many people. Mm. They will beat their swords into plowshares. They will beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. Nation will not take up sword against nation, nor will they train for war anymore. Come, descendants of Jacob, let us walk in the light of the world. That is a very different idea of the ending of the world, a very different way to hold it. And it's, it's, it's just so incredibly powerful. Like the language there is so powerful. And that's the apocalyptic vision to hold on to. I think for Joseph, for you, for me, I think that's the apocalyptic vision. That's, that's the end, quote unquote, of the world that we're to hold on to. That this is end, not as in like end, but end is in purpose. This is where God is pulling us. We don't always see it in this world, but we're definitely going to see it as we expand our vision out to include heaven. And as is said in Christian New Church theology in the book Secrets of Heaven, what happens is it's an ending point and a starting point. Where we come to this end of our own resources and the despair that can happen there. And yeah, many times we're forced to our knees, but folks, it's also this starting point. Please know that. Please trust that. Please find peace in that. Because that's really how it works. I mean, you folks knew that from what you texted in. So what did Jesus want Joseph to know? What did Joseph know in the end? I love this beautiful, beautiful little Christmas decoration. A good dad taking care of a baby. Mm, beautiful stuff. I think he wanted him to know that what we consider the end of the world isn't. 
when we consider the end of the world is oftentimes painful and hard, and God's work is always going to bring as much good as possible out of that. And through that, we can learn hope and trust will lead to peace. And remember the beautiful last line. We're going to come back to this on Christmas Eve. You will find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, laying in a manger. And suddenly there was a heavenly host saying, glory to God and on earth, peace, goodwill to humanity. I mean, that's the whole promise here, that we're moving towards a, a peacefulness and we're moving towards a goodwill where we really are wishing the, well, wish, wishing the best for everyone. There's Christmas. <laughs> There's peace. There's something, friends, brothers, and sisters, that not only changes our lives, but changes the world. Amen. And what we're going to do now, folks, is we're going to do a prayer. We're going to do the Lord's Prayer, and then we're going to end up with a little blessing, and then we'll have our final song. So please join me in prayer. Lord, thank you for your presence here today. And Lord, help us understand that simple equation of hope plus trust equals peace. And even in times where those can feel so diminished and so compacted, allow us to just hold on to those small little nuggets of hope, those small little nuggets of trust, that small little nugget of peace, even if we just feel it ever so briefly. Allow that in some way to be a lifeline for all of us to just take the step towards the next right thing. Lord, your blessings are so bountiful. And the darkness, many days, feels so great. And help us again and again to find that star, to find that peace, to find that journey, all of us on our way home a community of the waiting, a community dedicated to each other, a community understanding, the incredible beauty and the incredible peace of this season. All we can stay, Lord, is thank you. Your prayer. Our Father, who art in heavens, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, Thy will be done, as in heaven, so upon the earth. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we also forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you, bring you peace, and bring you home. Amen.
Have a great week.